It is March, and I know for most people that means college basketball, but don't overlook the fact that college football spring ball is right around the corner. We'll talk about everything you need to know about the Louisville Cardinals in year one under Jeff Brom as it pertains to the spring and more on today's episode of the Locked on the Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked on Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. No better way to talk football than with my guy, Grant Mulligan, uh, football recruiting analyst for the state of Louisville.com. Grant, nice to have you back on. How's things been going, man? Fantastic. I'm excited to be back, Dalton. Great talking ball with you last time. Can't wait to talk ball with you again today. If you didn't know, today's episode all about football. Spring ball right around the corner. Something came out recently, though. The Cardinals have two incoming transfers ranked in 24-7 sports top 100 transfer rankings. That's Jamari Thrash and Marquise Gross Killebrew. We'll also talk about um, some of the things that we're hoping to see in spring ball for the Cardinals in the second segment. And for those that didn't know, Grant was actually at a portion of the NFL Combine recently. So we'll talk about some of the formal, former Cardinals that pretty much showed out up in Indianapolis. So Grant, beginning with uh, a topic that honestly I didn't even know that we were going to talk about until it surfaced. I'm like, okay, we have to talk about this. Um, 247sports.com released their top 100 transfers ahead of this upcoming season. The Cardinals made uh, or had two players, incoming players, that made that list. Jamari Thrash, um, he's ranked 52nd overall. Uh, Marquise Gross Killebrew, the Texas A&M defensive back, is 92nd overall. Um, Initial thoughts, Grant, was this something that – you felt like Louisville had enough players in? Did you think that some players that were transferring in possibly could have made this list? Yeah. I, first of all, the, the two guys that they got are both are absolutely deserving of their spot in the top 100, and most specifically Jamari Thrash, specific to that production that he had at Georgia Southern. I mean, he didn't just make the top 100 because of high school recruiting pedigree. He made that top 100 due to real deal production, alpha receiver ball. Uh, MGK was a lot more of that, like I, like I just said, high school pedigree, young player, uh, but talent out the wazoo, you know, he just hadn't had a chance to to really prove it yet. And the production wasn't there, but he still to be able to have that kind of talent with very little production in college and being that young, still ranking within the top 100, I think speaks very highly to his abilities, what he could bring to the table and the excitement that should be uh, around. Um, but I, I agree that that those two definitely belonged in the top. I think as well, guys like uh, Heron could could have possibly been yeah. belonging in the list because he's been a productive starter and a productive player for a while now. But a, a common trend with the guys that they brought in through the portal has been some un, unproven at the college level guys who have a ton of potential. So for that reason, I'm not extremely surprised. The top 100 with the amount of kids that are in the transfer portal now is a pretty yeah. prestigious list. I mean, you really have to have top-tier production or you had to have been a really top-tier high school recruit to made that. So I'm not I'm not really shocked 
but I I think especially for Jamari Thrash is an absolutely well deserved ranking. I, I definitely agree. Stephen Heron was probably the one that I was looking at. I think you're uh, right on track with that one. Speaking of Thrash, uh, this past season uh, for the Georgia State Panthers, 61 catches, 1,122 yards, seven receiving touchdowns, top 15 in receiving yards, averaged. Uh, nearly 18 yards per reception, the best receiver um, in the Sun Belt Conference, six-foot receiver from LaGrange, Georgia. Um, I, I think a lot of people are probably under the assumption that this is probably the one year, uh, unless something, um, you know, knock on wood, like injuries happen or whatever. If all goes to plan, Jamari Thrash is probably a one-and-done at Louisville. This is an opportunity for him to improve his draft stock. When I saw that Thrash committed Grant, I – immediately drew comparisons to the situation that Tyler Hudson was in. Um, a guy that came from an unheralded uh, previous destination, but absolutely balled out and now um, joins a program to where there's a ton of opportunity. Uh, differently speaking for Tyler Hudson being in Scott Satterfield's offense. Now you're in more of a pass friendly offense. Maybe there's more mouths to feed, so to speak in this offense in terms of targets, uh, so on and so forth. But I think that Jamari Thrash is going to be a guy that, is probably the one player on Louisville's team that if you made me guess who's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver, it's probably Thrash, and not to mention he provides that home run deep ball uh, threat downfield. What are you expecting from Thrash in 2023? I think exactly what you said really hits the nail on, on the head. I think very highly about Thrash's game and what he can do for this offense, especially, like you said, transitioning to this more receiver-centric air raid offense. I think Jamari is going to be a guy who can step in day one and fill that receiver one role, which is actually something I was really concerned about coming into the season, is that on our current roster and whenever you and I last talked, we only had two transfer wide receivers that we right. had gotten uh, and neither of them had any experience being a top option in the offense. So Jamari Thrash is a bona fide wide receiver one who's commanded those targets, who's commanded the urge, who has put up that production. And it's for good reason. The talent speaks for itself and he got better every year. And it's because of that. I, there's, if you go back, watch his tape from earlier and how it moved on, obviously he had the initial talent, but he's added elements to his game every year, right. which mm -hmm. makes me really excited to see him uh, get to get to come into Louisville and, and get to work with, you know, with that staff and be able to develop his game even further. But I think somebody who's already had that production, who knows, you know, who how to handle business and in an offense, I think it's not only going to be great in the numbers column with the numbers that he could put up, but I think it's great for the leadership in the room, a guy who can really pave the way for some of the younger guys to, to get into these minutes in the future, show them what it looks like to really lead the receiver room. Right. Uh, and and hopefully he can take some of his game and add it to the game of some of these young guys as well because he he has a lot of of technical prowess that I think that guys like you know, Amari Huggins Bruce uh, and and guys like that on the younger end who could really learn mm -hmm. from. I definitely agree there. I, I like the leadership that he brings, and you you said it. We talked about it. This team, even though they added some talented receivers like Jimmy Cowley and Jaden Thompson, who they had just added when we spoke the first time, there wasn't a Kevin Coleman Jr. yet. There wasn't a Jamari Thrash yet. So it's um, a testament to how well Braum addressed the position in the portal. The other player, Marquise Gross-Killebrew, I think you said this is all based upon you know high school 
accolades, uh, the rankings, top 120 player in the class, true freshman from last year from Texas A&M, only had two tackles. I mean, he battled injury for a significant portion of the season, came back and from my understanding, looked pretty solid um, to the point to where most people surrounding, you know, the Texas A&M fan base, the media, felt like MGK was going to be a possible starter in 2023. So it caught them off guard. But another player that goes back to his Louisville roots, and um, that's big time. I think that, you know, obviously Quincy Riley is a projected starter for this upcoming season. You have some veterans that are back. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee is I, I probably would say maybe the starter going into spring ball just because he's been around the program probably longer than the others. Um, but Grant, am I in the wrong for feeling like MGK is, in my opinion, going to be the starter opposite of Quincy Riley this upcoming fall? I don't think you're wrong at all in, in that testament. But again, that's purely off of projection of his high school attributes and what right. little he was able to accomplish at Texas A&M. But he, the talent is absolutely there. He has He's a high weight speed guy. He's got the exact physical profile you're looking for. He's got the talent. It, it's in, in bunches, athletic ability. Health is going to be a big one, like you said, at Texas A&M in his early career. He already faced a, a small deal of injury. So him remaining healthy is going to be paramount, especially coming into spring ball, because if he gets out there, he's able to to remain healthy, learn the defense and and make his impression on the new staff. I don't see any reason why uh, he couldn't lend himself into a starting spot immediately. The talent is there. He has one year of power five football under his belt, learning that kind of learning that kind of defense and learning what it takes to play at this level. So I, I have high expectations for MGK as did many fans who are coming in. But again, we have to taper our expectations for MGK compared to a guy like thrash because the production was absolutely there. Now MGK has the potential of being a, a real deal shutdown corner, right. but we, we have to, we can't go in. We have to pump the with, brakes a little we bit. We have to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. I think absolutely the starting caliber potential is there. I think the talent yeah. is through the roof. But with young kids like that, you know, sometimes you do have to be patient. And I just don't want our fan base going in expecting him to be that's uh, fair. Very the, fair. the number one corner on the roster right away just based off high school rankings. I think yep. he can get there. I don't I don't want to say to any degree that he can't or that yeah. I don't think. But you're just trying to be him. realistic. I'm trying to be realistic. I think he I, absolutely has a chance to start, but um, I still think Quincy Riley is going to be the face of that secondary. I definitely agree. And thankfully, thankfully for Louisville, I think all of the transfers are enrolled in spring classes, uh, which is big time considering that spring ball is right around the corner for the Louisville football program. In the next segment, we're going to talk about some of the things we're hoping to see in spring ball. Uh, we'll do that here in just a second as we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, FanDuel. Um, we're over the midway point of the NBA season post-All-Star break. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Um Unfortunately, um, you know, I'm a Houston Rockets fan, the worst team in the NBA for the past three years. But I, I you know, find a lot of joy in watching, you know, Jalen Green and Jabari Smith play. So I, I like to see, you know, what their point uh, player props are going to be. I'd like to see like the the 
very specific bets, like how many three-pointers can they hit in the first three minutes. There's just so much, you know, a wide variety of bets that you can use. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So heading right on along into the second segment of the show with uh, the state of Louisville.com football recruiting analyst Grant Mulligan. Grant, spring ball right around the corner for Jeff Brom in his first season at Louisville. I know it's hard to take a lot of stuff away from spring ball. I mean, you have guys battling injury. There's not a lot of, um, you know, you know, vamped up contact. I mean, it's just kind of going through the motions, I, I guess you know, getting the play designs right and, and you know, just overall, um, you know, trying to stand out in the little way that you can. Is, is there something that you're specifically hoping to see from the Louisville Cardinals in spring ball heading up to that spring game in, in mid to late April? What I am personally hoping to see is the emergence of Jamari Johnson very early in his career. Right now we have a tight end room that lacks a clear leader. Now that Marshawn Ford is gone and we don't really have anybody in there with any kind of proven receiving prowess and receiving prowess is where Jamari Johnson shined. Now where I don't know if he could be every down tight end right away, because I think that he still has to develop some of that blocking ability. Granted, he was, he's only been a tight end for two years. He was a quarterback before that, but the receiving aspect to his game is a legitimate threat day one. And I feel that he could be an asset to this offense. I feel like he's a guy whose receiving ability is already at the point where it's going to be really hard to not want to game plan targets for him and to get him out there and create a mismatch. And for such a wide open race, I, I truly feel that the ceiling is the highest for Jamari Johnson. And I think being able oh, to yeah. get him those reps early will really lend itself to him having a great career here. I don't really see anybody else on the roster. There's some talented guys. I don't want to take anything away from them, but we have a lot more blocking tight ends in the room right now than we have true receiving threats. And Jamari Johnson is a real deal receiving threat. And I, that, that is Mm -hmm. the storyline I'm most closely following after that. I would have to say how the defensive line rotation shakes out. Obviously we know with the new formation. Yes, absolutely. Switching, switching up formation. So now it's going to be interesting to see if some of the existing player or the players who are already on the roster fill the roles that we expected them to, or are they maybe going to work with the staff, maybe get a little change in body type and see them move elsewhere on the line. I mean, we have talent. We have a lot of depth at the defensive line. I think they did an excellent job recruiting it. So I'm really excited to see how that group shakes out, what that rotation is going to look like. The same for the other side of the trenches as well. The offensive line rotation, I'm excited about it. But that's where I'm at in terms of going into spring ball. 
I think you're onto something with the tight end room because I think that there's the majority of players that are blocking tight ends. One thing that leads me to be encouraged about Jabari Johnson as a blocker, it's because he already has the the college build. I mean, oh, six five, what two sixty, two seventy? He was two sixty, and and he was he played it. 250 but I believe yeah and that's and he moves really well for his size so it's not exceptionally like, well know, it's not like he's going to have to lose weight I mean I think if anything you know he's just going to add more strength and muscle but man yeah. he's going to be a matchup nightmare right away I didn't think about it like that the defensive line you bring up some very fair points with the base package changing I guess you could say not only the defensive line but also the defense as a whole I, I know you know with how versatile the linebackers were Safety linebacker hybrids, you know, see Ben Perry, for example. You're not changing too much, but, you know, there definitely is going to be some change. Two things that I'm looking for. Number one, this is, I feel like a broken um, clock. I feel like uh, I, I'm beating the same drum when I say this. The linebacker room is the biggest concern for me because you have to have a lot of guys step up. I want to see how Stan Quan Clark does. Uh, right away. I also want to see guys like Jalen Alderman, like KJ Cloyd, like TJ Quinn, uh, Jackson Hamilton. How are these guys going to step up? And not to mention, Grant, something that we continually need to focus on, what was not done adding to this roster? So what the concerns may be right now, or the questions may be, might not necessarily be the questions uh, right away. You saw pictures of Pierce Clarkson in the boot. Um it seems like the word is that he's going to miss the majority of the spring, if not pretty much all of the spring. I think that that makes the situation more dire to where Jack Plummer has to be a success here. Um, you're going to have to see him. Um, I want to hear good things about him in the spring. It's not the end-all be-all if they're not on the same page with the receiving core and everything. But with Clarkson missing the majority, I mean, it was already going to be unfair to – you know, rely on him to be very good right away for Louisville. Now you're missing some of the spring action of preparation. That just makes it more um, needing that uh, Jack Plummer has to be good right away. I absolutely agree, and I was I was really hoping we would get in here and touch on this is the the Pierce Clarkson injury situation. I think mm -hmm. for a quarterback who many had very high expectations for, rightfully so, but especially in regard to getting playing time early, when you're a quarterback coming into a college offense from a high school offense, these spring reps are crucial in order to get right. you ready. If you're going to take significant reps in the fall – you need to be in there being able to get your reps in uh, in the spring. One of the positives, however, though, is that he's going to be able to be in the meeting room. He's going to be able to what yeah. is called mental reps. So he can be out there on the field thinking sure. through what he would be doing in this situation, which helps. Absolutely, it helps him learn the playbook, helps him with familiarity. But I am concerned in terms of him actually being ready to contribute in the fall. I didn't expect him to start. Uh, I I would say best case scenario is that we see him in mop up duty at the end of games. If we ever got to see him, but now I think it even, it pumps the brakes even more on that. We have to make sure a quarterback is ready. One of the things that's, that's really important is making sure that you don't put a quarterback out there too early and risk right. running their confidence because that could really derail 
their career down the line if they start to lose that confidence in themselves. So I was really looking forward to seeing Pierce's progression throughout spring ball and being able to get reps and learn. But now, depending on how much time he misses, I, I feel that Cardinal fans should now probably have to wait a bit longer than we had hoped for to see Pierce out there for game action. That also, it's also not only Plummer, but there's a lot of responsibility now for Brock Doman because, you know, we kind of have been, he doesn't get talked about a lot anymore. No. And because you brought in Jack Plummer and then you have Pierce Clarkson coming in. But I mean, let's be real. He's not out of the picture yet he's because not. there is, I'm not saying it's a real like probability, but you just never know with injuries, man. And Plummer is a guy who unfortunately has had injuries in his career. So there is a world that Brock Doman could be relied upon at some point to win the Louisville Cardinals some football games this season. I'm not saying it's probable, possible, but it's possible. Um, Want to now dedicate some time to the NFL Combine? Obviously, you were there. I was. And that's pretty awesome. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making Locked On the Louisville your first to listen every day. March Madness is here. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Heading into the final segment of the show with State of Louisville football recruiting analyst and aficionado, guru, whatever you want to call him, Grant Mulligan with me in the virtual set here on this fine, um, well, Thursday evening now. Um, Grant, you were at the NFL Combine for a portion of it. Describe Briefly describe that atmosphere um, and then kind of touch on how much a player can you know, make his stock rise or fall with a good or bad showing in Indianapolis. Right. First and foremost, the respect to the crew who's really tried to turn that into a fan experience. Last year was the first year I went, and I believe it was the first year that they were allowing fans to go at all. And the crowd that I was there with last year pales in comparison to the crowd that I was with this year. Like, there was legitimate, palpable excitement when certain prospects entered the arena, when they were going through, when quarterbacks were going through throwing drills, guys like when, when, CJ Stroud was out there absolutely throwing dimes. The excitement in the in the <laughs> building was palpable. There was cheers for all the completions. It was just it felt like a real football environment. And that sounds silly because obviously it is a football environment. But for to have fans there and to see sure. these players going through the or as they call it there the biggest job interview of their lives is a really cool right. experience. Um, in terms of the other part of your question you asked is how much they can raise or lower their stock. I am a, I'm a skeptic in the combine overreactionist because a lot right. of times you'll see somebody have a huge combine performance and now they're penciled in at number one overall, like Anthony Richardson, which no disrespect to Richardson whatsoever. He had a monster day. But just because somebody has an insane combine performance like that does not shift them from right. being the third or fourth best quarterback to now being the unequivocal first overall. I think that fans get caught up in this because it's the the football that they've seen most recently. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, whatever is new is is always front on your mind. And everybody's now got mock drafts that Anthony Richardson's going first overall. People are trading up for him. But then you gotta, you have to match. The combine is meant to be an accessory to the tape. Either that, or it's meant to draw attention to the tape. It's like a, it's like a confirmation almost. It's exactly. you're confirming or you're denying. And right. and Grant, I feel like. You make great points because I, I completely agree. I don't like to overreact to combine uh, measurements or testing or anything like that. But I feel like you have to feel good about how you did at the combine as it relates to your draft stock because it couldn't have got worse yeah. if you are guys like Yaya Diaby, nah, Kitro Clark, Yasir Abdullah. Yeah, and so I was going to get into that as well is that – the guys who it really doesn't make a, a huge difference for is the first round and second round guys. Those guys are pretty much already cemented before we get there unless they bomb interviews or they perform really badly. A combine doesn't change a lot for them, but the guys who it matters a lot for is your day three guys, your round four through seven, because then you'll have guys who suddenly grab the attention of scouts so maybe that they haven't even had their film watched yet. And then they pull up, they say, wow, this guy had a great combine. I'm going back and looking at the tape again. And he moves up the draft board. The combine is not going to largely change the opinion of the blue chip prospects, nor is it going to largely change the opinion of the guys who many see are very high potential, like first round, second round potential. But guys like Yaya and guys like Yasir Abdullah and Cottrell Clark, who are generally speaking mid round guys to, to even UDFA guys, um, I think this helped them out a lot. I mean, Yaya measured in and he had fantastic athletic testing. And I truly believe that he probably bumped his performance up a couple rounds because he's had, he's had years of promise and one year of really solid production. And so for many scouts that could have been a little troublesome to bet on him. But when you've got a mid round guy who just came off a great season, tested well, measured well, and, hopefully of course we don't know this part but interview well then yeah you're you're much more willing now to spend a fourth round pick on the guy than you are to pick spend a seventh round pick on a guy or hope that he falls into a udfa so like the mid-round guys that can really make or break you because there's some guys and which is like well his tape's not great but we think he's got really good athletic potential and then it comes up to the combine and it turns out he's just pedestrian he just happened to be the most athletic guy in the field at the time then it it can start to to break them or if somebody happens to come in shorter smaller than you expected that's going to change probably there's levels to it it's essentially levels to it i saw i i completely nerded out there and i just went on my my personal think piece tirade about how the combine affects draft stock but i think you answered the question you you literally answered the question because diaby kitra clark yasir abdullah all are projected day three picks at least as of right now, or so we think. At least that's kind of the consensus. And I think they all did extremely well. I mean, all did great in the 40-yard dash, uh, bench press, um, you know, from hand measurements, so on and so forth. I'm really, really excited. And don't you think that uh, you're not going to be back on here when the NFL draft rolls around and these guys get drafted because we're going to have to talk fits and all that good stuff. Grant, loved having you all, man. Like last time, do me a favor. Do everyone else a favor because I already have your social media. Plug yes, everyone else into your social media. Where can we find your work? Give any lasting thoughts. 
Yes, sir. You can check me out at Grant underscore Mulligan underscore. That's where all my recruiting content is posted. I write for the state of Louisville. You can follow them on Twitter as well. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on Combine, I actually have an article coming out here shortly uh, about how I feel that the Cardinals fared at the Combine and how I can see their draft stock moving up or down accordingly. So be on the lookout for that. Dalton, I appreciate the time, and it was great talking to you again, my guy. Always great. I, I don't say it because he's on here, but Grant is one of the best people in the city at breaking the game down for the you know common fan to understand and to be able to um, you know kind of be able to piece things together. And then also, you know, he's got the got the um, advanced knowledge to be able to compete with the the big time actions as well. So definitely. Uh, Privileged to have Grant onto the show, but that's going to wrap up this Thursday edition of the Locked On the Wobble podcast. Everyone, have a great day. Uh, stop arguing with each other. Why can't we all just come together and and just stop arguing? But I understand that this is the University of Wobble fan base, and that probably is never going to happen. So I'm not going to put too much effort into that. But like I said, that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone, have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. <laughs>